Welcome, you're listening to the BC Buckets Podcast, the official podcast of Briarcliff University Basketball. This is Matt Gall, and we're recording here in the coach's offices at the Newman Flanagan Center overlooking Rainacki Court. A little bit of activity going on down there on a, an early Super Bowl Sunday morning. Looks like there's some pickleball going on and some pickup basketball games. And I'm joined here, as always, by head coach Mark Sfigera. And like I said, we're recording on the morning of Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, and so, Coach, what are your plans for this evening watching the game? First of all, this will be the first NFL game I've watched all year. Um, so I, uh, I don't really have big plans. My wife and I will watch Super Bowl, probably cook some food, and uh, I can say I watched an NFL game for the year. So let's talk about that. Is that just not a lot of interest in the sport itself, or you just get busy with your season and there's just not a lot of extra spare time? Well, there's a few parts to it, Matt. You know, first off, I'm a college football guy through and through. Always have been. I'm a diehard Iowa Hawkeye fan, and uh, that's always been my, my first football love is college football. So there's that. The second part is, you know, during the basketball season, Sundays, quote-unquote, are one day off, and, uh, you know, I try to spend a little time with my wife but usually end up working anyway and watching film or whatever. And so I just don't have a lot of time. And, you know, I might have a game on, but I don't necessarily just sit and watch it and, and get into it or anything like that. Um, and then the other two parts are, one, I quit playing fantasy football about four or five years ago um, because of the other reasons I already said. You know, and one was I just, during basketball season, I would forget to change my lineups. And so I'd be starting guys that aren't playing for the week. And everybody else in the league is pissed off at you because you're giving somebody else a win. And I wasn't really paying attention. So I quit doing that. And when you play fantasy football, you have a reason to follow. Even if you're not into every game, you're following, you know what's going on. Um, so there's that. And then my team is the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, and there's the other there part. They have not been very good the last five, six years. And I, I guess if they were, maybe I would follow a little bit more, at least when they were playing, uh, to see what they had going on. But, yeah, I, I've been a college guy. Um, nothing against the NFL. I, I enjoy watching the Super Bowl. But uh, just uh, have not been a big follower the last few years. And maybe that's a conversation we need to have next fall when we get back into this podcast for next season. But fantasy football etiquette, uh, because you're that guy that I, I appreciate the easy win. Don't get me wrong. But I don't appreciate when you're handing the people trailing me by one or two games an easy win. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, I didn't feel right about that. And uh, so that, that was the biggest reason I quit. You know, people like you getting upset and emailing me and calling me and texting me, telling me to change my lineup. And then I get it to at 12.01 when the game started at 12, and I, I screw it up for everybody. Well, I, I didn't play this year. This is the first year in a long time I didn't play fantasy football. And there was a league for a, a long time of – Briarcliff-affiliated people, coaches, alumni, other people. Yeah, we were in that league together yeah. for a couple of years. Yep, yep, that's right. And, uh, you know, to be honest, I didn't really like what fantasy football was doing to my psychology as a sports fan because, you know, it'd come down to crunch time and the Chiefs might be sitting at, you know, 9-4 and four or 8-5 or and five on the year and, and making a, you know, a, a run at a playoff spot uh, but still needing some must-win games. But – you know, I've got Gronk on the other side, and I need three touchdowns to win my match that week, and I'm not sure, you know, what I want more to to beat former VP of admissions Brian Eben at a fantasy football or my Chiefs to hold their own in the AFC West. So I, I got out of it this year, and I will tell you, I feel much happier as a fan because of it. Yeah, and I get that part too, and I, I don't want, ever want to be in a position where, I'm, where I need to root against my team for some stupid fantasy league where I'm going to win 100 bucks. Um, you know, but let's be real too, Matt. 
anytime you have a chance to beat Brian Eben in anything, you root against your team. You do whatever you have to do to beat him. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's honestly an easy thing to do usually, uh, except for golf. The dude can golf, um, but other than that, you know, beating Brian at most any competition really isn't uh, that tall of an order. And he would admit that, you know, physically to play a sport, he's a little undersized against most people, um, but he can swing the golf clubs. That's for sure. You know, um, yeah, that's true. And I, I'm a terrible golfer, so. You know, when he was still in Sioux City, we would play golf occasionally, and, you know, he and I and, and Nick Nelson, and, you know, I'd always get wound into betting games with those guys. Well, I'm terrible at golf, and they're both really good, so I usually ended up losing. But, um, let, me, let me ask you this. Since we're on the fantasy topic, what is your thoughts or what's the etiquette of talking to random people about your fantasy team? You because, mean- because at the end of the day, nobody cares, right? Well, let's- I mean, uh, let me put it this way, Matt. When, you know, it's, it's Tuesday morning, all the games for that week are done after the Monday night game, and you're at the water cooler at work, are you telling everybody, ooh, hey, I had this big fantasy win, and, you know, Patrick Mahomes threw five touchdowns, ooh. No, yeah, that's, yeah, that's something that I, I don't think is cool, and it's not something I do. Honestly, the only time during the entire year where I might strike up a conversation about it is, one, if I know the other person is involved in a league or in our league, uh, I might talk about who I drafted just so then we can bounce ideas about free agency and other things off of each other. So it's more a strategic conversation, but I'm not the guy who goes into the office the next day proud about my draft. And let me have actually, you ever tweeted let me be about winning a week of fantasy football. No, I haven't okay. done that, but I do enter my team into a website each year that, that grades your draft, but I don't use that as ammo to go talk smack to anyone gotcha. else. So I, I agree. I don't think fantasy football really is all that interesting. However, when you're within circles of people who are playing either together or have a common interest in it, you know, I think it's it's something you can talk about and it's just a common shared interest. But uh, no, I agree. I, I don't think fantasy football is something that should be or is cool, honestly, to yeah. talk about. Yeah, and I, I'm with you in the right circles, perhaps. You know, I remember when I was in college, there was a, a pretty big group of us on the basketball team that were in a league together. So you know, Monday practice, there's going to be a lot of talk about, oh, hey, I need this tonight to beat you, or this guy needs that to beat him. And, you know, I get that part of it. But I, I kind of compare talking about your fantasy teams to in about a month or so here, everybody's going to, ooh, I picked this upset in my NCAA tournament bracket. Or it's like taking pictures of your food, to be honest with you. It's like, who cares? You picked that restaurant. Is that your your best accomplishment for the day is that you walked into an establishment? I mean, it, to me, it, it's not an accomplishment to show everyone this is what I ate today. So it's okay in your book, though, if I made that food myself to take a picture of it. That's, that's 100% different because unless, let me back up, if you are a well-known chef or cook and that's something that people know which i'm not then then i think it's a little tacky but you know if it's just something you're proud of having made and it's something you took a chance on you should absolutely be proud of that cooking's an art i think just as much as painting or sculpting or whatever it is that somebody wants to do with their creativity you know i think you should be proud of that but again if you're you know excited that you had the guts to order the chili verde from your third favorite restaurant whenever you visit New Orleans. I, I just don't think that's something that the world really cares or needs to know about. Understandable. So, you know, we were kind of bashing Brian Eben there a little bit ago, and uh, you said something about, you know, physical skills and this and that. And I think I need to bring up, the, Matt, that uh, this past Thursday, a group of us were walking out of the gym uh, to go to lunch, and, and you were actually lacing them up, getting ready to play noon ball. And, uh, 
you asked us to bring you an egg roll back from walk and go, which Nick did. And uh, I didn't stay to see what you did with that egg roll. My hope was that you ate it while you were playing, assuming you didn't. But uh, well, how would you grade your noon ball game? You know, I, I, I don't play myself, but I look down there, and I, I haven't seen you in a long time. So how would you grade your performance on Thursday? Well, a couple caveats. I mean, one, you, you know, because I'm six foot six, people just assume I was talented at playing basketball. But the fact that I'm six six and that I, I didn't have any prayer of playing at the next level in any capacity should tell you all you need to know that all I am is six six. I can reach things off the top shelf in a grocery store. I can do that pretty well. I can paint portions of my house that are more difficult for my wife to paint. Uh, but beyond that, that's about where my height has its benefit. You know, my height really limits my coordination. And so, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a slow player. I'm a weak player. I can't jump. I can't shoot. I can't finish at the rim. Yeah, you know. And I asked for egg rolls during my pregame uh, warm-up. So that yeah, should tell you about true. everything. That's true. And, I, you know, I did watch you miss back-to-back shots at the basket when I walked back in after lunch. You know, so I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt that I saw your two misses. But maybe from what you're saying, that was your day. You saw two of about eight of my misses. I did have one finish. It was I was cutting up the lane on a fast break. I got the dish from, I think, Coach Herc or somebody and finished with my left hand. I didn't do any lazy stop and put it up with my right hand. I finished in rhythm with my left hand and got back to play some defense. Uh, but, yeah, other than that, I give myself a solid F on that performance. So it begs the question, are you going to become a noon ball regular? You know, I will say I don't play a whole lot, and the reason I'm, I've made the decision to get on the noon ball list is because I just need to get off my butt and start moving around. And uh, standing on a treadmill or even getting in to try to lift weights is just something I can't seem to stick with. And so at least if I trick my mind into, into the fact that I'm doing something kind of fun, uh, I'll do it. So as long as the noon ball crew will have me and put up with my ineptitude, I'm absolutely willing to keep playing. And hopefully that leads to some improvement. And, uh, you know, just I don't want to catch any crap when I'm playing around the perimeter trying to get some easy looks either because uh, finishing at the rim when anyone with any kind of respectable post defense is going to be a problem for me. And to be fair, on those two shots you had me miss, honest to God, I didn't know where the rim was. I was just shocked I had the ball in my hands, and I knew I was somewhere near the rim, and it all just turned surreal at that point. And I knew I'm 6'6", and I'm about three inches taller than everyone else in the court, so i got to go up with it. But I have no idea where I'm at position-wise, and uh, you know, it's, it's all kind of just a blur. And I was really just focusing on that little paper bag that was sitting next to the wall that I knew had a, an egg roll sitting in there waiting for me, which I will say, you know, an egg roll is – you know, disregard the fact that it's, it's a, a fried wrap, but inside there's, you know, some cabbage and a lot of other things that are very high in nutrients and, and other things that your body needs to refuel. So I, I say the jury's out on whether or not an egg roll is, you know, a good body replenishing supplement or not. Well, I do have to say walk and go, their egg rolls are no joke. Uh, it's their second best side after their crab rangoons. But, uh, I actually had an egg roll myself that day, and they, they were on point that day. You know, and, and walk and go, I don't know if you've been there, Matt, but uh, this is, we've not been as consistent this year, but this is year five of walk and go Thursdays in the Briarcliff basketball programs. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it started uh, back in the, it would be the 14-15 season, and it was myself, Nick Nelson, Mike Power, and, and Christine Schroeder, who was the assistant women's coach at the time, went there every Thursday after Wednesday GPAC games for lunch. And uh, – you know, it's, it's a great Chinese place, a hidden gem of Sioux City and Hamilton Boulevard. 
We've been there once. We went there shortly after it opened. I'll be honest with you, it felt like walk and wait when we were there. Uh, it was a, it was an evening. I think we pulled up about five o'clock. Wanted to get some food to go, take it home. The kids like Chinese, and uh, we were there about fifty minutes before we got our food. And so I haven't given it another shot. But based on everything I'm hearing from you and Nelson and everybody else, it it might be worth a second chance. Yep, for sure. So since we're talking food, as we usually do, and because it's the morning of the Super Bowl, we decided to record this a little bit early today so we could get on with our Super Bowl plans. Uh, I don't want to talk about predictions for the game just because by the time we release this, the game will be over. But uh, let's talk about what's on the menu for tonight. Are you, first of all, are you hitting a party or are you just going to keep a kind of a quiet night at home? No, I'm just staying at home. Um, you know, and I got to be honest, Matt, I haven't put a lot of thought into it yet. I should have. We had a four-hour bus ride yesterday that I – could have been thinking about that and I didn't you know but I think with the Super Bowl there's a couple things you can or should do number one you got to have an unhealthy menu let's be real Mm -hmm. Um, I actually read on I think I saw somewhere on Twitter that the Super Bowl is the second biggest food day in America after Thanksgiving I don't know what the stats were on that or how they figured that out but uh, so I think you got to have something unhealthy which I will absolutely do um, some kind of dip you have to have, I think. Cheese has to be involved. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a big big fan of just a good old-fashioned cheese dip. Um, buffalo chicken dip, oh, also yeah. really good. Yep. Um, jalapeno poppers, good. Um, but I, but I, think, I think you have to start. You can't have a good Super Bowl food day without having a good dip. And that starts with a good tortilla chip, in my mm-hmm. opinion. I like a I like a thicker chip myself. You know, I, I don't want it to break when I'm dipping into the dip. You know, I I agree with you 100. percent I'll tell you what, I always go back to the Tostitos, just round white corn tortilla chip. Uh, to me, it's got the durability to withstand you know any viscosity of dip. Whether you're dealing with you know somebody who went a little heavy with the Rotel, so it's a little more watery, uh, which is fine. That can work, but or if you go with kind of the artery clogger, just throw a chunk of Velveeta in there, let it melt, and start dipping away, I feel like that chip holds its own. And, and if it doesn't, you know, you can always just take the next chip, go back in, and scoop up the remains of the past chip with your dip. Absolutely. And you also need – I'm an aggressive dipper myself. You know, my, my chip-to-dip ratio is skewed to the dip. Um, you know, so I, I need that durability you're talking about. But I also – I like to scrape the sidewalls of the bowl – and if you don't have a durable chip, you're you're in for crumbling. Yeah, my wife will get a little disappointed if she leaves the dip in the crock pot too long or whatever and it starts to burn. But actually, in my opinion, you need a little bit of that burnt edge uh, because that's that's just fantastic to have some burnt cheese on that chip. And honestly, so this is something about me, something I'm not real proud of, but it's something I'm willing to admit. So when I fill up my my Super Bowl appetizer plate and you've got the little the little sandwich rolls or whatever they call those things and the little smokies and and all those other things I load up so much cheese I actually make sure some of that kind of floods into the other things just so everything I'm eating has at least some of the essence of Velveeta and Rotel and beef or whatever it is that's That's interesting because I I separate my food Mm. So that, that, that bothers me a little bit, to be honest with you. Yeah, honestly, to me, a lot of times a good plate of chips requires a fork, the way I go sometimes. I was at uh, the South Sioux City Chamber of Commerce banquet on Friday evening, and they had a tailgate theme. So they had a lot of different 
finger food, like tailgate and Super Bowl type finger food. And they had a really good spinach dip uh, with with some chips. And that's you know that's something I think's become more popular the last 10, 15 years or so. But something I can never pull off at home for some reason. So we go easy with the cheese. But uh, a good spinach dip uh, really is good too. Oh, let's go back. You had mentioned buffalo chicken dip. So it seems like as a society, we go through these phases where at one point it was everything was Sicilian. And then at one point, everything needed ranch. And at some point, everything is sriracha. Um, it seems like, you know, throughout all those fads, buffalo style fill in the blank has really overcome that. And that's been something that I think has been going strong for the last 20 years. And I, I need to throw this out because I ate at Bar Louie, the new place uh, down on Gordon Drive. And they have a burger called the Blue Louie Burger, which is like a blue cheese, bacon, and buffalo-style sauce on it. And it's a fantastic burger. So that's a recommendation I want to make. But throw buffalo chicken in front of basically any food, and I'm down to try that. Yeah, and it has kind of withstood the test of time, and it's just good. You know, what else can you say about it? So, yeah, buffalo chicken, anything, buffalo anything, I'm probably going to be down to try also. So let's segue into the... Uh, games that took place this last week and we're going to do this a little bit differently first of all we don't have a guest today it's just mark and i and so uh you know we're gonna we're gonna talk about things here but we don't have a guest but we do have a gift from a former guest uh former hastings head coach lance creech gave coach figuera a sleeve of delicious what are they peanut butter are those called monster cookies what would you call those those are technically monster cookies. those are monster cookies from eileen's colossal cookies which is a uh, Hastings staple. It actually has locations other places, but started in Hastings, Nebraska. And, and Coach Creech and I had a chance to eat breakfast together yesterday. Uh, we went down to Hastings Friday night and stayed there uh, before the game. And kind of a tradition when we go to Hastings, he and I always try to have breakfast. You know, he's got stuff going on with his season now, um, coaching Hastings High School. But uh, we were able to eat breakfast, and he walked in with a 12-pack a of cookies. I don't know what he was doing. He said, here, I wasn't, I wasn't able to be there in person on the podcast, but everybody seems to bring food, so eat these tomorrow when you're recording. So uh, Eileen's Monster Cookies, as you've now found out, are no joke. Well, they're a few days old now, presumably. If you got them Saturday morning, I'm guessing they were baked either the night before or that morning. Uh, and they're still they're, they're not dry at all. They're very delicious. They're, they hold their own. They don't crumble apart when you're eating them. Uh, I give those cookies a, a high-grade. Those are, are premium cookies. So next time you're, you find yourself down in central or eastern Nebraska, make sure you find an Eileen's Cookies and stop in and, and grab some of these because uh, it's good stuff. So let's, let's, let's do this week in reverse since we're already talking about Hastings. Uh, let's start with your game Saturday at Hastings, which we talked about last week you thought would be a tough game. You thought it might be a game that goes down to the wire, and that's exactly what happened uh and unfortunately you know they they got the best of you guys 93 91 they scored a couple points on free throws with about five seconds left you guys had a chance to to tie it or or win the game in the last second it just didn't work out so just talk about that game in general yeah it's uh you know it's Haitians has been a tough place for us over the years um you know it's it's a it's a longer trip than normal and um i actually like going the night before it it actually keeps us in a little more home-like routine because we get up we do a shoot around you know we go eat and we go play and we're not on the bus all day uh, which we do a lot of other road games you know so I like it from that aspect Um, you know and it was a game where 
It was really back and forth. I think our biggest lead was eight. I think their biggest lead was six. Um, I think Steve, our, our radio guy, told me there was 14 ties and a ton of lead changes. And, and that's kind of how the second half went. Um, a lot of lead changes, a lot of back and forth. And from about 14 minutes down to about one minute, maybe even less than that, like every time they had a big play, we countered with a big play. And every time we had a big play, they would counter with a big play. And, uh, you know, I wish we would have had about five more seconds. Um, you know, and they, they had the ball. We, we ended up fouling them with five seconds left. And, and they made two free throws, and, and we had a chance. You know, Jay was, Jay was coming down the floor, and the ball kind of got knocked away, and uh, the clock ran out. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly frustrating. You know, it's, it's frustrating to lose, and, and nobody likes to lose. Um, and we've had some struggles on the road here over the last few weeks, um, dating back to Concordia and, and Dakota Weslin and now Hastings. And we just uh, we have to find a way to win those games. And, uh, you know, I, I, I can't fault our guys' effort at all. I mean, they, they, played, they played hard. They played well. You know, we needed one more stop or we needed – one more free throw to drop or you know there's there's a million things i can sit here and look back on and say well if this would have happened or that would have happened um but it doesn't do you any good um at this point you know we lost the game and what we'll tell the guys tomorrow and what our focus will be this week is at this point we have to worry about going forward you know we can't sit here and be upset that we lost a close game where we had chances we have to make sure monday and tuesday we're doing everything we can to get ready for wednesday you know, and, and we have a big game Wednesday um, against Northwestern. I know we're going to talk about that here in a bit, but it, it'll be a big week for us. You know, our last three games are all three pretty big rivalry games, you know, so I, we're going to be able to play in front of some big-time crowds here to, to end the season. And so we need to make sure that, that we're in a good spot as a team and doing everything we can to, to finish this thing out strong in the regular season. So, Coach, you made the trip Friday, got down there Friday night. So uh, did the Northside McDonald's and Hastings become your dinner location of choice, or did you have something else on the menu? Uh, we actually ate at the Northside Hastings McDonald's after the game yesterday, um, which nothing special there. But uh, when we go out to Hastings, we have, I guess you could call it a tradition at this point. We've done it enough. Um, we leave here after practice on Friday evening, and we drive to Omaha and eat at Valentino's Buffet. And for those of you not familiar with Valentino's, it's a, it's a Nebraska thing. I know they have them other places too, but it's a, it's a real Omaha, Lincoln, Nebraska place. It's a pizza place. Enormous buffet. Pizza, pasta, tacos, nachos, salad bar, you name it, ice cream, you name it, they've got it. Um, a lot of our guys, especially our younger guys, had not been to one before. Uh, you know, so they got to experience that the first time. It's a little bit of a nostalgic thing for me because I grew up eating Valentino's pizza and, and going to the buffet. And uh, like any buffet, I don't know if you get the best quality of that restaurant, but uh, if you walk away hungry, that's your own fault. You know, and so the guys got to experience that. And it's, you know, we try to do that whenever we can. And we've talked about that, Matt, to just not go, you know, if we're on the road somewhere, we try to stay away from places that we have here in Sioux City. Just show the guys something else, you know, keep a little bit of a variety and uh you know hang out they they set us up in one of their party rooms so we got to eat all together in a big group and uh you know it's a good deal and and great food like i said well and speaking of nostalgia and trying to eat at places that aren't around here anymore uh we did have a valentino's in south sioux city up until oh mid late 90s i suppose and it, same thing when i was a kid growing up in sioux city both myself and then my younger brother when it was one of our birthdays and we got to choose anywhere we wanted to go eat it was always valentino's and not just because you got the pizza and all that, but, you know, 
at the salad bar, forget all that salad and all that other stuff, but they had pudding and peaches and the stuff that little kids like to eat. And uh, it was just awesome that you could go there and eat whatever you wanted, top it off with dessert, even though most of your actual meal was pretty much dessert by the time you stacked pudding on top of pizza, on top of more pudding. But, uh, man, I missed that place. It was right over the bridge just to the east of the uh, Veterans Memorial Bridge over in South Sioux City. Now it's just a big empty lot. But, man, that was a good place. It was always packed. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to hear that those are still around because uh, I'll have to make sure next time we get down to Omaha or Lincoln that we hit up one of those places. You know, and, and the loss aside at Hastings, it actually ended up being a pretty good food trip in general because Hastings has a Quiznos, which anybody that knows me knows that's my favorite sub shop, and our guys actually really like it. Um, and so that's another, another Hastings tradition. You know, there's only three of those left in the G-Pack, and one of them's in Mitchell, and we, we don't eat in Mitchell. We eat on the way when we go up there. So Jamestown and Hastings are our only Quiznos of the year. You know, so it's good to get that too. And that's another thing Sioux City once had and is now gone, unfortunately. I think Orange City had one up until fairly recently. Now it's a different sub place. Johnny's. Yeah, Johnny's is not bad. We've been there a few times as a team too. So let's let's uh, go backwards in time a little bit. I know you said we should look forward rather than backwards, but we did. Uh, There's a game we didn't talk about, and that was Wednesday night here at home against Mount Marty. And uh, a game that I wasn't able to attend, but based on what I've read and what I kind of saw about it, it was a game that started a little more back and forth. Shots just didn't seem to be falling. Uh, and then in the second half, you were able to, to clean that up a little bit and pull away. Yeah, it was a game. Uh, you know, we came out of the gate, and, and our defensive intensity was really good for about the first three minutes. And then we, we, we went on a lull of about seven, eight minutes where we just we weren't very good defensively, or we were good in the course of a possession and then we just kind of relaxed late in the possession and we give up an easy score and so it was it was a back and forth first half we ended up tied at halftime you know we came out in the second half I thought we defended a little bit better Um, and in the first half our offense was actually rolling pretty well we just missed a lot of shots Um, we had some really good looks we had really talked about that game we want to get the ball to the inside, whether it's on the drive, uh, you know, ball screen roll, post up. It doesn't matter. We want to get the ball to the inside and look to kick out because we could get open threes. Um, they have a collapsing defense that really comes into the paint when the ball goes there. And we knew we'd get some open shots. And I thought our guys did a really, really good job of doing that and executing what we wanted. Um, and we just missed some shots. And, uh, you know, in the second half, we started making some of those. And, and we were able to pull away and – um, you know, you got to give Mount Marty a lot of credit. I mean, they're in last place in the standings in the G-Pack. And th- those guys, they're still playing hard. They're competing like crazy. Um, and they, they, they weren't going to go away. And uh, with about nine minutes left, Jay Wolf just kind of took the game over. And, you know, he scored a few times, but it was more his distributing and facilitating. Um, you know, and I've talked about Jay a lot. You know, he just makes the right play about 98% of the time. And uh, he got Jackson Lamb and Ethan Friedel and Jaden klein like All those guys got going, and we, we kind of went on a barrage of threes down the stretch, and we were able to, uh, to pull away and, and get a win. And, um, you know, again, this time of the year, doesn't matter who you play, doesn't matter the records, the standings, you're going to get one win or you're going to get one loss. And, uh, you know, this past week we certainly would have liked – to have gone 2-0, and we didn't. Um, you know, and so I'll just say again, we've got to move forward, and I know that's what we're going to talk about next. So let's get right into it. And uh, like you mentioned earlier, this is going to be a, a pretty big week, uh, a week with a couple opportunities for some payback. Uh, you guys lost to Northwestern pretty bad up at their place earlier this year, and, and that's who is going to come 
to town on Wednesday, and we've talked about it before. There's been some years where uh, you guys have split. We'll see what happens this week, but you know, I know Northwestern started the year maybe not as strong as they've been playing in the second half of the GPAC season. So what have you seen out of them lately, and what are you guys doing to prepare to combat that? Well, yeah, and you said, I mean, they whooped us up at their place, and I, I don't have a nicer way to put it. They just did, and, uh, you know, when you when you play a team a second time, especially when that team beats you the first time, I think a big mistake is to to look at it like a oh we have to get revenge on this because I I think that sets you up for for failure. I think you need to look at it as hey this is an opportunity to play. We'll certainly take a look at what they did to to beat us the first time and and try to come up with a little bit different plan on how we want to guard something or how we want to attack how they're guarding. But uh, you know being back at home is certainly be nice we you know we've been pretty good at home this year we've had great crowds and I, I certainly hope both of those things continue um you know but you you have to come out and give your best effort and and coming off a loss this weekend um that has a certain way of refocusing you whether it's defensively or offensively or both and, and I'll give our guys a ton of credit um they've been very resilient this year you know we're, we're sitting at 18 and 6 and those first five losses we had we bounced back with a win Every single time, and I certainly you can't predict that's just going to happen. Um, you know, and Northwestern's a good team. It's a rivalry game. I'm sure the Flanagan Center is going to be rocking uh, for that one. And, uh, you know, we want to come out and, and give it our best effort. And it's, it's interesting because they play a very similar style to us. They really do. Um, we, in fact, we actually run some of the same basic offensive concepts in a couple different ways. And so in theory, you'd think, well, we see that almost every day. We should be able to guard it. Um, we did not do that the first time. But uh, they're a good offensive team. They have multiple weapons, um, a lot of guards who can shoot it. Um, they're kind of an interesting team because their starting center is a really good three-point shooter, and their starting point guard is their best post player. Um, you know, so it makes for some interesting matchups, and it puts guys in positions that they don't necessarily normally guard. Um, but it's a, it should be a fun game. I think, I think we're two good teams and both really good offensive teams. You know, there's a good chance it's going to be a shootout. Um, but you know, like I said, we want to bounce back and, and be ready to play at a high level and, and hopefully come back and get a win on Wednesday. The gym's always packed when they come to town. They do a really good job at bringing a lot of fans to their road games. And I know they always fill up their portion of the gym. So we're really going to need the blue crew to be out in full force this Wednesday. Uh, this is always a great game to get into, a great competitive game. And I know the Blue Crew has always showed up for this game. And I'm sure this week will be no exception to that. So make sure you get down here. The women will play at 6 o'clock on Wednesday night at the Newman Flanagan Center. The men will play at 8. You know, there's going to be some good basketball played in that gym on Wednesday night. So let's fast forward then to Saturday, another opportunity to see someone that you've already seen earlier in the year, uh, Morningside, who beat you here by 8 to 10 points, somewhere in that range, I believe it was. Um, and you get to go over to, to play them in, at their place. And so it's a road game, but you don't have to travel too far for that. And I will say I know a lot of the uh, supporters who travel to road games usually get together beforehand to meet up at a restaurant or something like that. If that's going on, I, I hope to finally join them. I've, I've been invited, and I'd like to, to finally join them now that it's here in town and I can actually get away on a Saturday to uh, – to watch a game but let's talk about Morningside and and you know everyone's very well aware that this is a rivalry game it's always a big game whether it's played here whether it's played there whether it's played at the auditorium uh, if they picked it up at a city park outside on the concrete with chain nets you know I, th I think it would be a big game and draw a crowd um, so talk about you know again how you mentally 
prepare for a week where you've got two big rivalry games here uh, with Saturday arguably probably being being the biggest rivalry that we have. Yeah, and, and I'll answer that part first, Matt. You know, I think the biggest thing is you can't get caught up in it. You know, if it, because if you look at it like, oh, hey, we play Morningside on Saturday, you're gonna ha- you're gonna overlook Northwestern, and that that's not gonna be a good situation. You know, and so. Monday and Tuesday, we're going we're gonna to put everything we have and do everything we can to prepare for Northwestern. And when that's over, you know, whatever happens, happens. And on Thursday and Friday, we'll do the same for Morningside. And, and you, you have to take it as a one-game-at-a-time um, deal, or you're probably going to lose both, you know. And so I don't know that we really do anything differently. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll practice Monday and Tuesday and, and prepare and, you know, Certainly, the guys know who we play this week. It's you know, there's no secrets, but uh, you got to take it one at a time. And, and Morningside, you know, obviously they're really good. I think they're third in the country right now, um, and they they beat us here. And when we play that game, it'll be almost three months since that game happened. It seems like forever ago, um, but that was a game they really beat us up physically. Um, they are a big physical team, both on the inside but on the perimeter, and they're physical defensively, um, and they're really good defensively. I think I I think you know at least statistically they're the best defensive team in the league, um, and and they're deep um, and they can just throw a lot of different guys at you, um, and I I think the the biggest thing they've done a really good job of on the other side offensively is is they really share the ball, you know they just they don't make a lot of mistakes and they don't beat themselves, and so in a game like that you have to be playing at a high level at your best really locked into a game plan and executing what you need to execute, and uh, you know. Anytime we play, and you know and you said it, it's going to be a, a fun atmosphere. It's going to be a fun environment. And I said this the last time we played them. It's such a fun rivalry because we are in the same town, and we out, both have had a lot of success and, and are having success this season. Um, but it's also a weird one because, you know, when they came over here three months ago, it was about a 50-50 crowd. And when we go over there, I would anticipate the same. And, and you, there's never that full-on home court advantage. And it's, you know, when we do something good Saturday, it's going to be loud from our side. And when they do something, it's going to be loud from their side. And I think that just makes it really fun. You're playing in front of a just constantly loud, kind of nutty atmosphere. And uh, and that makes it fun. And so this this is a big week for us. You know, we're, we're going to try to make sure we're focused in and, and we're playing at a high level this week as we uh, – you know, we have three games left in the regular season. It's crazy to think that. Um, you know, we don't play next Saturday. It's a, it's an off day for us because our women play St. Mary's. So our regular season is done uh, next Wednesday, you know, and then we'll move on to conference tournament and, you know, hopefully national tournament at some point. But, uh, you know, at this point our, our focus is solely on Northwestern the next couple of days and, and we'll move forward from there. I have to bring up this memory of a game at Morningside my buddy, Andrew Douglas, a lot of people know him as Tuba. He graduated with me here at Briarcliff uh, back in 2008. Uh, so w- we played at Morningside. It must have been 2006 or seven at their place. Just a, a close blast of a game to watch. But anyway, it's getting down to crunch time. And I don't. there's some call that us Briarcliff students don't necessarily agree with from the official. And I just remember my buddy, Andrew, or Tuba, is sitting in the front row steps onto the court and grab not grabs but touches the ref's shoulder to have a conversation with him and all of us just gasp that he's going to cost our team a technical or he's going to get kicked out of the gym and he doesn't remember it that way he will tell you to this day he didn't touch the official but we all remember it very vividly that he stepped onto the court touched the official the official was very cool about it 
calmly but very sternly asked him to go back into the stands and not do it again, and it was all good. But uh, I had to throw that out there because we always give him crap about that game. And, again, he'll argue that that didn't happen, but it absolutely did happen. So the women will play at 2 o'clock next Saturday over at Morningside. The men will play at 4. Make sure you get there. Same thing like we talked about with with Northwestern coming to our place. Uh, you know, we need to make sure we're doing that same thing when we go on the road to Morningside. So let's fill up that gym. Let's see a lot of blue and gold there. So now we're going to go into shout-outs. We didn't have any listener questions again this week. So come on, guys. We need you to help us out here. Find us on Twitter at, at @bcbucketscast or send us an email at bcbucketspodcast at gmail.com. We've got about four or five episodes left of the season. We need to have some real thinkers and some real uh, hot takes that you want to hear from Coach. So let's, let's hear those questions, get those in. Uh, we do have a few guests that we're trying to get in here the next few weeks. So uh, make sure you hit us up so we can get those in before we go into the offseason. Uh, but with that, we'll go into shout-outs here. So I, you know, I have two as always. I'm going to give my first shout-out to Lance Creech for the cookies. Um, that's a big-time move for a over-the-phone guest to retroactively hook us up with some food on the podcast. And, uh, and my second shout-out, since I'm on the topic of cookies, uh, goes to Jim Johnson, you know, a, a relentless Briarcliff supporter. Um, his son Trent played here back in, in my kind of era of the playing days, and he brings us chocolate chip cookies to every home game and almost every road game. He uh, drops off a couple dozen chocolate chip cookies for the guys for after the game. So shout out to Jim for his continued support. I've got a couple shout outs too. The first one is to Pat Mahomes. He was just named MVP of the NFL this year. And I know Pat is a loyal listener to the podcast here. So Pat, congratulations on that. I know you're going to have a lot of big things coming your way over the course of your career. And then I want to give a shout out to Nate Trinan. He's the athletic facilities person here at Briarcliff. Uh, this place, the Newman Flanagan Center and all these facilities just always look great. Everything's always ready to go. I think we have the best gym in the GPAC bar none. I think the work that's been put into this facility over the last few years um, is, is really impressive. And I know Nate's a big part of that, making sure that this place looks good and making sure that it's ready to go for whether it be basketball or volleyball or, or anyone else who's in here, you know, working out uh, while there's nothing going on. You know, he makes sure that this facility is ready to go. So shout out to Nate, longtime Briarcliff guy. Thanks for everything you do. So we're going to go ahead and wrap things up now. We both got Super Bowl food to go start cooking or at least throwing in the crock pot. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Make sure you check us out next week. And, again, make sure you find us on Twitter or shoot us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks.